Well, welcome, family. So glad that you are here with us today, seeing what God is already doing. I am excited because I have a word for us, and I believe that what God is doing in us is special. Has anybody been blessed already so far, just tonight? I've had this song ringing in my heart, and so I'm just going to open with this song, and then we're going to dive into the word. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all my fears are gone. Because I know who holds my future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Come on. Is it that bless anyone? I don't know who needed to hear that. But understand, because he lives, we can face any trial, any fire that is before us. We can face it because he lives. And because he holds our future, that means that we can be really ready and able and and willing to walk into whatever is trying to come against us. Amen. I'm excited because this has been quite an interesting day for me. Um, This is not what I expected to be wearing today. So for all my holiness folks, I apologize in advance. I know my mom's probably watching, and she's like, boy, why are you up there with them holy jeans and your hat on? But I have a great story. I actually uh, I went with our interns, our awesome creative arts interns. We went down to D.C. Yeah, yeah, shout out our interns. We went to D.C. today. We had an awesome time uh, just being inspired. We got to see some art stuff, just some really great uh, moments. And so I wore this because I wanted to fit in with them, and not just look like I was their dad chaperoning. <laughs> and uh, apparently they made me look more like their dad, but it is what it is. Uh, but on our way back, I had a plan to go home and change and come back in something more fitting. Uh, but on the way home, we got in a car accident. Yeah. Um, actually, a, um, a dump truck sideswiped our vehicle an exit away from the church. And I thought, man, listen, this is how mad the devil is as he tried to stop what God has. But we're standing here because our God is good. Because he's still the same God he's always been yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so we stand on the promises. It's not just something that we sing about, but it's something that we live. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and jump to the word. Uh, If you will, stand with me. We're going to read. I'm picking up where... Uh, Pastor Corey uh, stopped last week. We're in this beautiful series, Tried by Fire. Uh, I'm going to be picking up 1 Peter, uh, first chapter. We're going to be reading 6 through 9. Uh, it says this, In all these you, are, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Uh, they have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, 
You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end results of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for this constant reminder that you are with us, that you're not far off, and so that we can face every trial and we can even rejoice and joy knowing that you are creating something in us. You are shaping us into what you would have for us and that every trial that comes against us, God, you are working it together for our good. And so we will be able to stand in this moment and declare your goodness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and take your seat. Um, when my wife and I were having our first child, we were so incredibly excited about what God was doing with us. It was just this really cool moment. Um, we were so excited. We actually decided to not find out what we were going to have. Um, and so we were like, we went real old school. We wanted to find out at the time of birth. So it was just this really huge moment of anticipation. Uh, and so... Uh, my wife, she's an extremely strong person. As a matter of fact, she was doing a leg day the day before she gave birth. That's how crazy my wife is, and I love it. Um, but we go into uh, the hospital, and it's time for her uh, to give birth to our son. And she had been saying the whole time, you know, I want to do this natural. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to do it natural. And this is interesting because my wife doesn't really have a high pain tolerance, at least not up to this point. Um, and she doesn't like the unexpected. So the fact that she was uh, going to do this, I was standing with her, but I was like, oh, this is going to be a tough road. And many of the, the medical folks there was like, I don't think you want to do this. But she says, no, I will. And so she's giving, she's in labor, and we get to the point to where it starts to get a little rough. And they had already warned her, you've passed that point to where you can get an epidural, so you're just going to have to tough it out. But she's doing everything that she has to do, and she's remaining strong, but things begin to turn for the worse. Uh, they told her, our son, as energetic as he is, was flipped all around, and he actually had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. So they got really, really serious and said, listen, you have to get your son out on this next push. If not... There could be some very serious complications. And I overheard them saying, prepare the surgery room. So I'm next to my wife. She hears this. And then uh, I see this look on her face. And she musters up this strength that I've never seen. And with all of her might, she gives the, just this incredible push. And out comes our son. But hold on before you clap. Because that was great. It was. It was awesome. I mean, she's, and I mean, she busted a blood vessel in her eye. I mean, it was crazy. Like, I was like, oh. but immediately after that follows, we hear nothing from our sons. Quiet. So this moment of triumph turns again to terror. They look at me, the medical, the, the nurse, she gives me the, the medical shears and tells me, okay, cut the umbilical cord. We need to take them. So he takes them. Me and my wife, I'm holding her tight, and we're like, what is happening? It felt like an eternity, but it was really only a few minutes, and they go, and they begin to work on them. And as they work on them, we finally hear what we've been wanting to hear. So he let out a cry. 
And we're like, thank you, Lord. And we look at each other like, it's happened, finally, wow. What was awesome about that moment is now I learned something about my wife that I did not know, and she learned something as well by herself about the level of strength that she has. See, she had never been faced with a situation that that was that tough, and so she didn't know what she had. And even as she went into that moment, she was fearful. But now what I get to hear my wife say so often is if I can go through that, I can go through anything. See, what has happened is her strength, that threshold of her pain has stepped up. And so now when things are facing, she said, I gave, I gave birth to a baby. I can do that. And then when she went to the, had the next baby, it was like, it's okay. I already know what I'm doing. I got it. So her trial, the pain that she went through, it had to develop something in her that allows her to be able to stand and see there was beauty in that moment. It went from pain. It went from fear into rejoicing. And now we get to celebrate the goodness of God and we get to walk in a place of Now I got to fear my wife a little bit more because I'm telling you, the way that she gripped me when she was squeezing, I thought I could take her, but I don't know. She's a a formidable foe, so um, that's why I stay in the gym. This is what Peter Peter was saying here in, in this scripture. He is breaking down the reality of our lives, and he's, he's speaking it uh, specifically in, in this context of talking about the trials. Uh, he talks about we greatly rejoice because he says, for a time is now, before a little while, you're going to suffer all kinds of trials. Um, and so what I recognize here, and we're going to unpackage this because we're going to see it multiple times throughout the scriptures, is there is this There is this theme, right? There is a a sovereignty in the suffering. That God's hand is active when we may find ourselves in these situations that may be uncomfortable. Because trials, they have a purpose. Trials, they come to prove your faith. So there is a purpose for your pain. Often we run from our pain because we want to heal ourselves. I don't want to feel anything, but there is a purpose for the pain that you walk through. And God only, not only does he have a purpose for the trials, but he also has a purpose for the grief that we feel in those trials. And what is produced is our faith, which is the most valuable possession any of us can have. Here's the beautiful thing about your faith. They can take my money. They can take my job. They can take my reputation. They can take, they can take my family, although you're going to have to work really hard to do that. But you can take everything away from me, but what you cannot take is you cannot take my faith. So if you strip me of everything that I have, I still will believe that my God is able and that he will move on my behalf. And when if I have that, I have everything that I need. So we get to see that story play out so very often. And so this is the purpose that God is allowing us to go through some of our trials. And unfortunately, Bad theology or or, or perhaps just a misunderstanding of what this Christian life will leave us as Christians believing that if I'm a true believer, then I will never face any trials. Now that I am a Christian, somehow I'll become Superman and that every arrow or every bullet that is shot against me, it's just going to bounce off my chest and I don't feel anything. But who've been a, who, who's been living for, for Christ for a little while to know that, that ain't the case. 
Often you face your, your greatest trials when you declare yourself as a believer. When you find yourself saying, this is what I live for, this is when you find yourself walking through the biggest mess. You're like, when I was living on that side, I feel like it wasn't that hard. And now I decided I want to follow Jesus. Everything is coming at me. Yet there is a purpose to that. The purpose is, is to find him because how do you really know where your faith is unless you go through a test? So we see this theme happen over and over again. James 1 says this, which get to know a little bit about James. This was one who was ultimately at the end of his life, ultimately he was thrown off of a building, off the temple. He was stoned. And if that didn't kill him, then they bludgeoned him to death. But yet he says this in James 2, uh, James 1, 2 through 4, consider it all joy, my brethren, excuse me, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then Paul, he says it as well, the apostle he echoes this same reality. He says, we, and this is in Romans 5, 3 through 5, we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that the tribulations bring about perseverance and perseverance, proving character, improving character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts uh, through the Holy Spirit who has, uh, was, excuse me, who was given to us. So what we see, this theme, there is this juxtaposition of trials, hope, and joy. In our normal lives, we don't put those things together. If I have trials, then I don't have joy. That if I have hope, I should be able to hope away all of my trials. I hope nothing goes wrong. So these things don't make sense together, yet in the kingdom, they make perfect sense. It becomes cyclical. It becomes a process that I go through a trial, and while I'm in my, that trial, my hope begins to build. And when I stand on my hope, I now am able to have joy. And joy is quite different than happiness because my joy is not predicated on the situation that I find myself in. It is what I know. It's because I know who holds my future so I can say, God, you're still good. And when somebody look at me and say, boy, it don't make sense. You don't have anything. I know, but I have God. And so because I'm not trying to go from one high to another high, trying to always find the next thing that's going to fill me, give me that warm and fuzzy, because that sets us up for failure. Because even the things that you find to be the most fulfilling, once you have them for a little while, it becomes old. There's people who have millions of dollars and still not happy. There's folks that, that have beautiful wife and still can't stay at home. There's folks that has been called to ministry and serving the people but eventually, it just becomes a job again, them, they're calling. Yeah, that's, that's a part of the ministry. They're supposed to call at all crazy nights. They're not going to sit to your office hours because that's not when things go wrong. Things don't go wrong in my office hours. They go wrong in the middle of the night. 
So this is, if we are always constantly trying to find that thing that makes us feel good, we're going to be always chasing that high. So what we are seeing over and over again, what Peter is teaching us, is we should greatly rejoice even though we are distressed with all kinds of trials. Our faith isn't tested because God doesn't know how much or what kind of faith we have. It's tested because we are often ignorant of how much and what kind of faith we have. The testing of your faith is not about you proving anything to God. He already knows. Instead, it's about God proving to you where your faith is. Yep. See, because here's what happens. There's typically kind of two kinds of believers, right? You got the one kind of believer who would declare to you, I got faith. Oh, I got plenty of faith. I got enough faith. I can give you some of mine. And they're very confident. Put me in a situation. I'm going to prove it to you. Okay, we'll see. (laughs) That often they'll find themselves in the situation and you go, where's that faith? What happened? Right? And then there's the other side. There's those people that go, I don't, I don't think I can. This, ah, I don't, you know, me, I don't, I don't know I can do it. They have, they have this underconfidence in their faith. And so they're put in that situation where their back is against the wall, and now something comes out of them that you go, where was that? And, and they say the same thing. I, I don't know where that came from. And so the testing of our faith allows us to see what is inside of us. I like this quote. You can put this quote up. This is from Martin Luther. It says, whatever virtue tribulations finds us in, it develops more fully. If anyone is carnal, weak, blind, uh, uh, wicked, irascible, haughty, uh, and so forth, tribulation will make him more carnal, weak, blind, wicked, and irritable. On the other hand, if one is spiritual, strong, wise, pious, gentle, and humble, he will become more spiritual, powerful, wise, pious, gentle, and humble. What does that mean? What that means is what is in you will come out. When you shake it, it comes out. When people, when, when you step on somebody's foot and they scream and you're like, oh, excuse me. I don't know where that came from. I, I know where it came from. It came from inside of you. you. I can't get nothing out of a refrigerator that I didn't put in there first. So when you go through it and you start to blame it on the thing that you're going through, see, that is making me, perhaps you don't really have that inside of you. I used to hear people say, that I'm going to lose my religion. If you can just lose it like that, perhaps you don't really have it. That happens when you shake it, whatever comes out is what's in. And so when you go through trials and tribulations, that's when you get to see who they really are. So what we get able to see is, here's a great example. Think about the disciples. They're tested on the Sea of Galilee. And then they've been walking with Jesus. They've been seeing him do these great miracles. And now Jesus says, hey, we're going to go across to the other side. So they all get in the boat. Jesus goes down in the bottom of the boat. You're probably familiar with this. He lays down, takes a nap. Storm comes up. It's going crazy. These guys are losing it, losing their minds. They run down and they're screaming, where are you? Do you care about us? We're going to die. They're losing their minds. The tribulation came 
and we seen what was inside of them. They didn't go down and go, hey, Jesus, real quick, it's a lot going up there. Perhaps, you know, if you just say a quick prayer for us, it'd be great. No, they come down losing their mind because this was what's inside of them. And perhaps this is why Jesus allowed for this to happen. Because you know he could have just said, hey, on this journey, uh, give us traveling mercies. But obviously he went in and took a nap knowing what was going to happen so that he can see what was inside of them. And so he comes up and then what does he do? He shows them what's inside of them. You of little faith. I'm in this boat and I said to go on the other side. If I said it, then why wouldn't it happen? Have you not watched what I've been doing all this time before? I just, I, I've just performed miracles. So you think that now the storm is going to take me out. I'm in the boat. But we've seen what came out of them. So he has to rebuke them and he has to rebuke the wind and the waves and tell it, relax. And then he goes back. And then you see what is now produced in them. They say, who is this man? Who, who is this man that can, that can speak to the very wind and the waves? It's the man you've been walking with the whole time. You just haven't paid attention. And you had to go through something so you can recognize who he was. And if they had not gone through that, they would have still been those same people that have been walking with him but had no faith. So this is the reason why you have to go through things. Because when it's all going well, come on. How many friends that you have as long as you're making a lot of money and you're paying for every meal every time you go out and you're letting them stay at your house, they're going to hang around. But what happens when you run out of funds and now you got to go, hey, man, can you help me this time? And they're going, well, you know, I don't really let, I don't do that borrowing money and stuff. <laughs> what happened? I see what's who you really are. The trials and tribulations allow you to see who you are. It exposes those things but it exposes it for a reason. See, because what he did, he, he didn't stay up there. He, he rebuked them and he moved on. They had to have that realization. It, had it been me, I'd probably, for real, that's how y'all feel the whole time? I'm going to let them know how I feel. But this is not what Jesus was doing. This is not the purpose. It's not the purpose to bring these things up so that he can now hold something over you. It's because he's trying to shape you into something. So another uh, instance with, you guys are familiar with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't have a lot of time, so I could go right into it. These are three boys who were getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar put ahead of them. And they went in, they were bold. See, this is a unique situation because these guys had faith. They told him to his face, I'm not bowing down to that golden image. So you can do whatever you got to do. You're going to throw me in there, it's fine. My God will deliver. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, he's still God. So you, you do what you got to do, old king. That's the kind of faith that I want to be able to stand with. I don't care what none of this, all you talking about, okay, it is what it is, but this is what I stand for. And so then they were thrown in. And when they were thrown in, their faith, they didn't, they didn't change. I didn't see nothing in the word where it says now when they get thrown in, they change their tune. Like, okay, never mind. We, we, we thought you was playing. No, they went into there. And then the king stands and says, wait a minute. I, only, I thought I only put three in there. There's another one in there? 
And so the trying that they had to go through wasn't for them necessarily. That thing that they were going through was for their family. It was for, never, for the king. It was from other people, which means sometimes you may be going through something and it ain't for you. You're complaining and saying, God, why do you have me in this place? He's saying, because I can trust you and I need you to do this because there's somebody watching you that needs to be changed. You're trying to get out of the furnace. And he said, I need you to stay in the furnace because there's somebody who's looking. And if they don't, if they don't see you walk through it, they will never be able to make it. So perhaps the reason why you're burning right now is because there's somebody you've been praying for and they are watching. This is why we do this. This is who we are. There's sovereignty there. See, when I was a kid, I don't even have this in my notes, but when I was a kid, I used to watch my mother struggling with us. I used to watch. There were times we didn't have a place to stay. She would go to us. We always had a go bag. And she would go, hey, y'all got to get up. Y'all got to get We got to go. Where are we going? I don't know, baby. We got to go. She had this long coat. And sometimes we would, lay, we would sleep. We would sleep on the bus. because so Our buses ran all night long. And she would wrap us in those. I was watching her walk through a fire. I saw what she was going through. I saw how often she would give us food and she wouldn't eat. And I said, Mom, you didn't eat. I'm okay, baby. I had something. Like, Mom, I didn't see you eat. What she was doing, she was showing what it looks like to stand in a fire. So when I found myself hungry, I thought, I know how to do this. I saw my mom do this, and so I can stand here. Often, what you are going through so much bigger than you. And then there's one last one I want to tell you before I run out of time. It's my sister Hannah. Man, Hannah. She was tested with barrenness. This is probably one of the, the toughest types of trials because most of this trial is internal. It's about your own identity, feeling like, what is my worth? At this time, and even still today, a woman's worth a lot is, is tied up in her ability to produce children. So you have Hannah who's in this very, very peculiar situation because she's married to Elkanah. But Elkanah has another wife, Peninnah, so it's two of them. Peninnah is giving, she's having children, but Hannah doesn't. And they constantly are looking for this moment to where she can give her husband who loves her what he needs, but she can't. And meanwhile, this other wife is torturing her, constantly telling her what she's not. And it's reinforced because she's not producing. This is a level of pain that is hard to understand. When you know I've, I've done nothing wrong, God, I'm here, I'm trying to be faithful, yet I have nothing. What, what, what have I done? What have I done wrong? And often when a woman could not produce, it was looked at that she must have sinned. She must have did something wrong. And that's how we do, right? Somebody's life go on, you're like, well, if you would have been, you might have been. Yet the Bible says it was the Lord who closed her womb. The Lord did it. But for what reason? Why would you do that? Because there was a timing that needed to happen. Because she, she was going to produce, but it needed to be produced at the right time. If you don't know, Hannah is the mother of Samuel. And Samuel then lived in the house of Eli. 
but he, it was at the perfect time in which Eli was getting ready to die. And so at this time, the perfect timing happened to where she was able to give birth to this child. And now you see Samuel, this great man of God, that even as a young man, he was hearing the voice of God speaking to him. Why? Because of the obedience that Hannah was able to go through, even in the midst of her pain and her barrenness, feeling like she had nothing, she was able to stand. She was able to trust God, and her faith was increased. She was able to bring forth that blessing, that gift. I'm going to close with this. One of my favorite shows is a show called Forged in Fire. Anybody heard of that show? Yeah, come on. There's my, there's my peoples right there. So Forged in Fire is this really cool show um, where there's these, these craftsmen. They come and they make, a, they make knives. They make swords. It's just really awesome kind of thing. And what they do is they compete. And so at the end, someone wins and they get a prize. So I've watched every episode so much so I'm pretty sure I could forge a sword if I needed to. But there's four main steps. You and I together, we can do it. So there's four main steps in which you forge a blade. The first thing you need to do is you have to select the material and then heat it up. What I love about this show and what I've found about a lot of bladesmiths, they typically will get recycled material. It's not brand new. And that was not even intended for its purpose. But often it has been used material and been discarded. So they take it and then they heat it up. And they heat this thing up over 2,000 degrees in order to be able to manipulate it. Because the next thing you must do, and the second thing, is shaping it. You have to shape this thing that is just a piece of metal, maybe a leaf spring off of a vehicle, or or just an old piece of iron. You begin to shape it. And then, after you have shaped it, then you harden it. And in order to harden the blade, because in order to to, to do all of these things, there is a, a situation that there must be heat. The heat allows the molecules to move around, and there's the hammer that begins to hammer it into place, to shape it into what it needs to be. And now that you've got it in the place it needs to be, you have to harden the blade. In order to harden the blade, this is too easy when I talk about preaching something, is they put it in a solution. They put it in oil. It has to be dipped down in oil, and that hardens it. And once it's hardened, then it's able to be sharpened. Love it because this is what our Christian life looks like. We start in a situation in which we are selected by God. He's called us. But when he's called us, in order for what he was going to do in our lives, there has to be a transformation. And that transformation is not going to just come by going, okay, I pick you, so you're good to go. This is not a game of duck, duck, goose. What means now is you're selected, but now I have to do something with you. I have to put you in the fire. Do you understand, I saw this interesting video, is that if you try to manipulate cold steel, if you try to hit it, all it does is bounce off. It bounces. Every time you hit it, it bounces off. But when you put it in the heat, you put it in the heat for a while, it now doesn't hit, it actually shapes every time the hammer hits it. So what does that mean? Every time you are going through that struggle and you feel that hammer hit you, it's not to hurt you, it's trying to shape you into what God has for you. And if I truly trust who he is, I know that he's the master craftsman and that he hits me at the right pace to get me where I need to be. We said it in the opening, often the strongest steel 
has to be quenched and forged in the hottest fire. So this process of being put in the fire, put in the trial, and then laying, what I love this too, when you, when you are shaping this uh, sword, the knife, they lay it on an anvil. All an anvil is a flat surface. Kind of looks like an altar. And so you lay there, you surrender, and allow this hammer to continue to strike you over and over and over again. And guess what? It is painful. It's painful, but it's pain with a purpose. It is shaping something in you. And every time it strikes, what it does is it shapes the things that are supposed to be there and the things that are not. It gets rid of those. So that after a while, the thing that it was, it no longer looked the same. Has anybody ever gone back home or gone back to family? They go, who is that? I don't, I don't, you look like, but you don't act like. This is what transformation looks like. It's not that I have I've modified my behavior. It is that I have surrendered myself to lay on the anvil and let the hammer of God do its work in my life. And once I have been shaped into what God has for me, it's not over yet. It's a process. You have to wait there. Often we get that shape. We go, okay, I'm ready to go. No, 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 you're not ready yet. You still have to be hardened. So that means when they harden, what they do is they pick you back. Once you've shaped, they put it back into the furnace. And this time they crank the fire up as hot as it can go. Because you need this to be as hot as possible to solidify what is going on, and then you are dipped in the oil. And that oil is what solidifies it. It makes it harden. And at that point, there is nothing that can knock that, uh, that, that, the, the steel off its course. It is now steel ready. Not ready to be wielded yet, but it is ready to be sharpened. So now, once you have taken that shape, now it becomes a delicate process of removing those edges, you remove the edge until you begin to get that sharpened blade. And if you watch, when they first start doing it, they take a lot off. So they use the big grinders, but then it becomes increasingly more delicate until they get down to they're only using just a leather strap just to get it as sharp as possible. This is what is happening with our lives. As God is refining us, as we continue to find him, get closer to him, surrender to him, he is doing his work in our lives. This is a process that Peter is letting you know that this is not a, okay, okay, God, I'm going to lay on your altar for a week and you're going to be good to go. Is this it? This is not an episode of Forging and Fire that's over in 30 minutes. This is our entire life over and over and over again. We will never be the, the total of what he has for us until he returns. Yet I will continue to surrender. He will continue to form me and I will continue to be what he has for me. Why? Because I trust him. I trust my, I trust my life in his hands. And so he continues to sharpen me. And at that point of sharpening, this is the fun part of the show. Y'all know how that goes. They begin to test it. So the first test they do, or one of the many tests they do, is they first want to find about the durability. So they start to pull on the blade, making the blade do things that most people wouldn't do with their blade. Yet they go, oh, yeah, no, that's strong. Oh, that holds up. That's good. And then they say, well, let me see if it's sharp. So then they cut stuff. Cuts right. Oh, that thing is sharp. And then my favorite, sorry, because I'm a guy. They do, okay, we got to do the kill test. Will it kill? Yeah, that's my people. 
And so they got, they got a dummy or sometimes they use an animal carcass or whatever. And they slice, 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 slice. And then he says to him, your knife, it will kill. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is when we allow our lives to be laid on the altar of God, to allow him to shape us, to allow us to create in us what he has for us, then we can stand against the, 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 the darkness. We can stand against the kingdom of darkness. We can stand against insecurities. We can stand against fears. We can stand against every lie, and we can declare this that's inside of me, it will kill. It will kill everything that is trying to kill me. Everything that is trying to come against my family, I can now stand against because I've been tested. I don't have to stand afraid. God hasn't given me the spirit of fear. I don't have to walk in these situations thinking that this thing will take me out because I know who formed me. It wasn't me. It's not my own strength, but it's the Holy Spirit that is inside of me that has shaped me. So now I step in with confidence and say, I dare you come in here after my family. I dare you try to come in here after this church. This is your church, and you have sharpened us. When I look out, I look out into this audience. I see so many powerful blades forged by God that is doing the work. It's doing the hard work. It's going and declaring in their homes and their jobs all over the goodness of God, the joy that I can face whatever situation because I know that my victory is not connected to what I can do, but my victory is connected to the one who's already declared it's finished. So I find myself in that situation that when the trial comes, just like a it's like a man with a, with a fresh, sharpened axe. You can't wait till a tree fall down. I got it. It's me. It's the same way we can do when you see a problem, when you see there's turmoil, you run into it. I'm a peacemaker. Let me come in here and make peace. When I see confusion, I can go, wait, 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 guys. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sharp. What can we do? How can we fix it? When I see that there, there is, uh, there is, there is uh, discomfort or I see that there is a lack of love, I can step in and say, wait a minute, let me be, in, let me be here. I, this is what God has done for me. What good is to have a sharpened knife if you don't use it? This is what God is doing in us. This is where we find our confidence. This is why we can find joy in various trials because this allows us to know what is inside of me. I don't know what I have until I walk through something. So instead of trying to run away from things, I'm going to step into those things and declare, God, because I know it's you who's working in me, I can face this with victory. This is who we are. It ends like this. Peter 8 9 says, though we have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Even though I don't see him, I know that there is something different inside of me. It lets me know that the only way this could have happened is by his mighty hand. 
And so as I see the shift, it builds my faith to say, God, I'm ready to come back. Because it's the other thing about anybody who deals with knives. My boy DJ, he's big. He, he got me some knives. He knows every time you use those knives, it's important to sharpen them again. Because the safest knife is the sharpest knife. So this is not a process in which I just do it and I'm done. But I go to the Father every time and go, okay, God, I need to. That's why you're here right now at 715 to say, God, I'm going to sit right here and let you sharpen me because I got to go face that school again. I got to go back to my house again. I got to deal with these kids again. I got to deal with these medical conditions again. God, I need you to sharpen me so I can walk into that place, not with fear, but with confidence knowing I can overcome. This What Peter is showing us, this is what we've seen over and over through the word. God, sovereign hand is moving in us, shaping us, it's making us to be what he's called us to be. To go out in confidence, declaring the trials are going to come. This is part of it. But I don't lose my hope. If anything, my hope increases. The song says, my hope is built on nothing less. Come on. Y'all better declare this in this room. I love, I love this house of believers. Through his blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But only trust in Jesus' name. Family, I pray that you were blessed by what we talked about tonight. That was something that you heard that encouraged you. I want to end with this. I have a declaration that I want to put up on the screen. I believe that God is forming something special in every single one of us. And we're all at different stages of our walk, and that's okay. We don't rush this process. This is an individual process. I was talking to my man, Andre, as I was preparing this word, and he helped me remember something that I said to him, is that it's not, it's not about the destination as much as it's about the journey. We're often trying to get to a place, hurry up and get there. And God is saying, slow down. Let me be with you in the journey. Let me be here. That's why David can say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil. I'm not running through the valley of death. I'm not trying to skip over it. I walk through it. Why? Because I know that you are with me. So I appreciate the journey because the journey is what's forming me. So here is my declaration that I want to say with us tonight. If you will help me saying this, this is, uh, yeah. We gave credit to John because he inspired it, but I changed it. It's a remix. Okay. So I think if anything, put John, then put JC remix, right? It's just the remix. I need my credit. Okay. Would you stand with me as we declare this together? Amen. I love my AV. 
I love my AV. Let's, let's declare this together. Holy Spirit, I recognize that you are forging me like a sword in your furnace of trials so that my impurities of my heart may be melted and forced out of my life. And I will be your instrument to battle against the kingdom of darkness and to bring glory to God Almighty. If you mean that, will you lift up a shout of praise? If you know that he's forming something in you, will you shout like you know him to be the one who is amazing, who is bringing all things into order so that even when I feel pain, I realize my pain has a purpose, that there is sovereignty in my suffering. God, I trust you. God, I thank you for your goodness, for the revelation that you've opened up so many eyes. God, I, I see hearts being enlightened, recognizing now they understand why they have to go home to that thing that is not comfortable. It's not because of something that they've done wrong. It's not because you are punishing them. It's because you are perfecting them. So God, let them go home with a new level of confidence knowing that you are working their lives to become a sword battling against the darkness and that because you are wielding them victory is theirs amen bless you family